Ben from Elementor here. In this talk, I sat down with Troy Dean of WP Elevation as we discussed facing the biggest challenges of professionals who make a living from building websites. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Elementor Talks. Today I'm super excited to be interviewing for the second time Troy Dean and see what he's up to. Hi Troy, how are you? Hi hey Ben, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. I didn't realize this was episode two. I feel like, I feel like there's a bit of pressure now for me to, be, uh, to deliver some amazing value and to be performing well. <laughs> I'm sure you'll do well. <laughs> Our last conversation, which was really fun, by the way, uh, you, you mentioned a few things and I'd like to see, like catch up how they progressed. So first, you talked about adding a mentor to your board for helping uh, WP Elevation's growth. Yeah, that's right. So, so we've, uh, we've added a chairman of the board. We now have a chairman of the board who sits in with us once a month on a meeting. Uh, the first Wednesday of every month, we have a meeting with Mike, who is a, an old friend of mine I met about five years ago at a conference. And he's kind of been mentoring us over the last few years, but we officially made him chairman of the board, which just now means that we're, we're more accountable to him. So he basically comes in every month and has a look at our numbers, has a look at our profit and loss statement, has a look at our revenue, has a look at what our company priorities are, what our targets are. And he, his job is to make sure that my business partner and I don't screw things up too much, you know? So he gives like an objective external view of the business and how yeah. you keep growing. Yeah. And he looks at it, he looks at it with, he's not emotionally attached to the business at all, right? So, so he doesn't care, you know, like we, we sometimes get emotionally attached to our own ideas and things that we want to do. And he looks at all of the ideas that we have and all of the initiatives. And he, his only question is, is this helping the company achieve what the company has decided its goals are? So it's a, it's a bit of a, a sanity check and a, a reality check for us, if you like. So yeah, that we don't sure. just end up doing things because they're fun, you know. He's objective, and if you it's your own business and you love it, you're going to justify everything. No, this expense was very <laughs> profitable. <laughs> it was exactly. I had to buy the lifetime agency plan of uh, Elementor and Astra, uh, WP Astra, because blah 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 blah. And he says, "But hang on a second. <laughs> really? Did you have to do that?" <laughs> and you also mentioned adding uh, the technology to start the course, your course from the middle. So someone closes their desktop, they open their, their telephone, did you? Oh, we haven't done that yet. No, good. Well done. You made some notes, didn't you? Chatbot, um, desktop app. You, you wrote a lot of, what, what happened? Uh, what? You've, gee, wow, I feel, like you're the, I feel like you're the chairman of the board coming in and saying, what's happened, Troy? You haven't done your job. <laughs> well, you know, what, we're, we're biting off one thing at a time. So the big, the big thing for us is that we've, uh, two things. First of all, we've launched our high-end mastermind program. So we have uh, called the Mavericks Club. And so we have a certain percentage of people that go through our program that get to the end of it and they're really kicking goals. And they come to us and they say, we want more. We want more training. We want, we want to meet up in real life. We want to have mastermind events. We want to go to a remote location and hang out for a week. So we launched the Mavericks Club. We did our first three-day live event in San Diego at the end of June. We're going to Thailand in the first week of October, and then we'll be back in the States in um, February next year. So that's been a big, that's taken a big chunk of time and effort and resources to, to launch that and get that up and running, which is very exciting. And the other thing we did is we switched our business model from a launch model where we would just launch the course 
three or four times a year. And we've switched that to an evergreen model. So now you can basically join the course whenever you want. And class starts on the first Friday of each month. So if you join, we're recording this in the middle of July. If, you're, if you join now, your class starts on the 3rd of August. If you join on the 15th of August, your class would start on the first Friday of September. Uh, so we're, we're basically switching to an evergreen model. And that's been a huge undertaking from a technical standpoint in terms of how we deliver the content, how we unlock the content, but also from a marketing standpoint, getting our, our onboarding funnels, our lead gen, our sales webinars, getting all that kind of set up. And, and so we pulled the trigger on that the 1st of July. And so that's basically what we've been doing. So all those other things that we mentioned, like the chat bot and the desktop app and all those other cool things, they're still on the list of things to do at some point. Um, yeah, correct. Absolutely. Like any small business, you have to prioritize. And I'm very pleased... To announce, I don't mind sharing this publicly, but I'm very pleased to announce that our financial year in Australia ends at the end of June, in the middle of each year. And so for the last financial year, we did just over $2 million a year in revenue. And we're very happy about that. That was a target that we were trying to reach. And so in the interest of transparency, we're all working very hard for the last sort of 30 days of the year to, to get to that target as well. And that means we can now employ some more staff and the company continue to grow and we can continue to support our, our members. That's great. Tell me a bit about that transition. You said that it involved a lot of changes in Legion and content strategies. Like how did you implement it? How, how did that happen? So the first thing we had to do was figure out how to deliver the content uh, in an evergreen model, because effectively we provide live coaching calls during the six week course that people are doing. And so effectively we'll have different cohorts of students or different classes of students going through the blueprint consecutively. So we'll have someone start in, we'll have a group of people start in August. And then by the time they're into module five, we have a new group of people starting. And so in the members website, we need to be unlocking content dynamically based on when you join and which class you're in. And you can imagine dealing with hundreds of students, it's difficult to do that manually. So it's all done automate it's all automated through the use of tags in our crm we use infusionsoft as our crm so we use infusionsoft to tag our students and then we use a plugin called memberium which plugs infusionsoft into wordpress and LearnDash. so LearnDash knows which which content to unlock based on when that person joined and which module they're up to and, and we also had to make sure it was backwards compatible with all our existing students who have who have been in the program you know for the last five years so that was a big technical undertaking and our team our, our dev team did an amazing job with that but then also how do you build in scarcity when you're open all year round so one of the things that's been that's worked really well for us over the last three years is having this launch model because people know that you can only join three times a year. So oh, I've, I have to get into the September intake for WP Elevation because otherwise the doors are closed for another three months. And that's been a big motivator for people to join. So how do you build in genuine scarcity when you're open all year? And so we've done a lot of thinking. And so basically what, what we do now is we offer bonuses for people who take action and who join early in the month. So the earlier you join, the more bonuses we unlock and the more bonuses that we announce. We basically sweeten the deal for you to be a fast mover. And so that, so we've done, just done a lot of thinking and experimenting and got a lot of advice from other people in this space and, and making, it, making it, uh, it so that we're open for business all year round, but you still get to go through the course with a classroom of fellow students, which is important because we know that's one of the reasons that our community is so strong. 
because we have accountability partners and, and study buddies. How do you manage all of that when you're open all year round? And so that's why we have the, the course start on the first of each month. So long answer to your question, but there were many moving parts to, to get that right. That's an exciting challenge. Mm, it is. <laughs> yeah. You also spoke on a last conversation about several of your customers that, you were, that were most rewarding for you that they managed to quit their jobs and work from home with their wife, possibly children. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about that process? I mean, because I know it's, it's something that a lot of people are doing this kind of journey from being an employee to being independent. Mm. You share a bit about the challenges and how you fit in and what kind of stories do, do you see there? Yeah, sure. So, you know, one of the most common stories we tell is about a, uh, there are two couples that I reference, uh, Robert and Alyssa Simmons, based in uh, the Midwest and, and of the US, and uh, Chris and Amber Hines, who are based in Colorado. Now, when they joined the program, Robert Simmons got a great story. He, he downloaded our free proposal template. He was working a full-time job and his wife, Alyssa, was working from home, starting her, her own part-time business. And uh, Robert downloaded our free proposal template and went through some of our training videos. And he said to Alyssa, I'm, I want to join this program from this Australian guy. And she said, how much is it? And he said, I think at the time it was $1,500. And she said, there's no way you're joining that program. We can't afford $1,500. He said, okay. So he, he went and used the proposal template for free that we, we gave away for free. He wrote a proposal for a client that he had kind of hovering around wanting a website. He landed a $6,000 project. And then went back to his wife and said, can I join the program now? Because I just paid for it. And she said, fine, go join the program. And so within about three months of joining the program, he'd built up enough clientele, won enough projects that, that basically going to his full-time job was now getting in the way of him running the business from home. And so he took a leap of faith and he quit the full-time job and started working from home full-time with his wife. And a few months after that, we flew out to Miami to run a mastermind and Robert and Alyssa drove down to Miami to meet us in, in real life. And it was one of the most rewarding things to have these, this young couple come up to me and, and thank me for all the work that our team do to support them and help them grow their business. And a very similar story with Chris and Amber Hines in Colorado. Amber was working from home, uh, had a couple of kids, uh, young, young children. Uh, Chris was working the full-time job. They joined the program. Within a few months, Chris had quit the full-time job. They, he now works from home full-time in the business and their passion is RV travel. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but RV is recreational vehicle. And so they have an RV in the front yard that they've been renovating and, and doing up and restoring for quite a while. Their company's called Road Warrior Creative. And in the summer uh, where the kids are off school, they basically put the whole family in the RV and they drive around the country and they run their business from their laptops from the RV and they use all the processes and automations and stuff that we teach them in the program. And so again, I met them at WordCamp US and they were almost in tears as, as to how grateful they were uh, for the support that we'd given them and, and the things that they'd learned in our program. And I know this all kind of sounds a little bit cheesy, but those stories and meeting those people is the reason I keep getting out of bed and coming to work and doing this. I've been doing this for over five years now and it's the reason that we still do it. And what I've learned is that there's a direct correlation between the amount of people that you help and how, how helpful you are and the amount of revenue you end up with in the bank. So the business now really is we're in the business of helping people. We're not in the business of selling an online course. And it's been a big mindset shift for us over the last couple of years. Yeah. And let's take, I mean, you've been doing this for five years. That's a long time. Let's take this case study of a person that started creating websites 
uh, had some sex, uh, success, but once, like, what are the biggest challenges that they face when they come to you and what, you know, like what yeah. kind of uh, challenges do they face every day that prevents their growth and their success? Well, I can tell you, and it's not anecdotal. I can actually tell you what their challenges are because we give a lot of free stuff away on our website and in exchange for that free stuff, people sign up for our email list. And the second email they get when they sign up from our email list is an email that says, Hey, I, I hope you enjoyed the free thing that you downloaded the other day. Hey, I'm just curious. I'd love to know what your biggest challenge is right now. Can you take a moment and tell me here? And then there's a link off to our survey monkey survey and they fill in the survey monkey survey and those answers from that survey get piped straight into a Slack channel that we've got here that the whole team can see. And the reason the whole team can see it is because I want, everyone on the team, I want the developers, I want our support staff, I want our designers, I want our Facebook ad specialist, I want everyone knowing what the pain points are for people who are thinking about joining our program. And the pain points are, usually it's, I don't have enough clients, or I have too many clients who want to pay me 500 bucks for a website, and I can't keep building websites for 500 bucks because it's not sustainable, and I can't communicate what I do to my clients because they just think I'm a web developer and everyone knows you can hire a web developer on Upwork for 30 bucks an hour. So how do I, how do I build websites for more than $500? And how do I find clients who are willing to pay me a decent fee for a decent website? That's the number one problem people have. Then usually if they've been established a little while, it's I've got too much work on and things are starting to fall through the cracks and I need to improve my processes. They're, they're kind of the biggest conversations we have when people first start with us. Now, I'm happy to unpack that if you like and give some practical ideas and some of the things that we teach that can solve those problems if, if you want to go there. Yeah, sure. So, so, so the funny thing is, the irony is <laughs> that one of the first things I tell people is if you want to build a successful business as a WordPress consultant, you need to stop selling WordPress websites <laughs> to your clients because the, people, don't, people will never perceive the value of a WordPress website to be any more than about 500 bucks because you can get a WordPress website. You can sign up for wordpress.com for free. You can download WordPress from the repository for free. You can get a theme for 50 bucks. You can spend a couple of days faffing about putting it together yourself and it might do a pretty good job and it might serve your purposes. So to, to walk in and say, we build WordPress websites for 10 grand, there's a huge disconnect in uh, what the client's expectations are and what it is you're offering. So there's two things. I think, first of all, you need to understand that WordPress and in fact, building a website is just one of the parts of the overall solution that you provide. The second part to that is, I think you need to specialize and work out what problem it is you solve and who you solve that problem for. So for example, we, our, our agency just by accident really became pretty good at helping charities and nonprofits increase their database of people that they could promote their cause to so that they could raise more money during their campaigns. So one of the things that we did is we helped a, a charity here in Australia who work in the drug and alcohol sector. We helped them raise a million dollars one year in one of their campaigns where they encourage people to give up alcohol for the month of February and you get your friends to sponsor you to raise money. And we did that running Facebook ads and using social media to drive people to a landing page to get them to sign up and then get them an, a unique link that they could give to their friends and say, hey, come sponsor me. I'm giving up alcohol for the month of February. There's a lot of moving parts in that strategy 
setting up the landing page on the WordPress website was just one part of it and actually only took about 15 or 20 minutes, right? Not very difficult at all, but it was only one part of an overall strategy. We just happened to be a passionate about working with nonprofits and charities and B we just became really good at kind of working out how to get people to sign up to a campaign and, and join the movement, right? Because that was, that was something that we were passionate about. And, and I think our passion just came through in that when we were working with our clients. So that was our sweet spot and that was our target audience. And when we went in to start talking to our target audience and when we started producing content and when we produced a podcast and when we did YouTube videos, it was all about helping nonprofits. It was nothing to do with WordPress. It was nothing to do with websites. It was all about helping nonprofits achieve their outcome. So becoming a specialist, working out who you serve, and then realizing that WordPress and a website is just one part of your overall solution. And you'll instantly differentiate yourself from everyone else who's charging 30 bucks an hour on Upwork to build websites. Mm -hmm. So could you put a bit of focus on this process of how you choose what uh, niche to focus on? Like, because yeah. that's not a simple task. You need to figure out what you love, but also what, what is profitable. So how do you... Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is <laughs> it's a good question. And we have a, we have a whole process for this, but I'll walk you through the, the kind of the Cliff Notes version is. There's a, a document that we use called the Sweet Spot. It's a document that's been around for years, but, but it's part of our training that we put our members through. And very simply, it's an A4 piece of paper. Down the left hand, you draw a line down the middle, you've got two columns. Down the left hand column, you literally write down everything you're really good at. And on the right hand column, you write down everything that you're really passionate about. Now, it doesn't matter when you fill in the left column, which we call skills, it doesn't matter if you enjoy that stuff or not. So I put SEO in that column because I'm good at it, even though it drives me nuts and I find it a bit monotonous, I'm really good at it. And in the passion column, you put everything you're really passionate about whether you're good at it or not. And so I put design in the passion column because I love design. I love UX and UI, but I'm really bad at it. But I still put it in the design column. I also love e-commerce, but I'm really bad at WooCommerce, so I don't do it anymore. <laughs> now, the point is you've got to get this stuff out of your head. Most people don't do the exercise because they feel like it's a bit naff or they feel like it's homework. You've got to just get it out of your head and write, the, write it down, fill the two columns up, and then draw a line where there's an overlap. So for me, it comes down to presenting, podcasting, educating, informing, inspiring, coaching. That's the kind of stuff that I do the best. And that's the, what I love doing. That's my sweet spot. So that's where I spend most of my time. Then you've got to ask yourself, if I had to spend the next two years just doing things that were in my sweet spot. So let's say, for example, you're really good and really passionate about helping WooCommerce store owners improve the conversion rate through their checkout. And you've just worked out some really great tricks that work on every website and you're really passionate about it and it's what you dream about, it's what you think about when you first wake up, you bounce out of bed because you love optimizing the checkout process and helping e-commerce store owners improve their, their conversions. Well, then you're gonna ask yourself, who stands to benefit the most from me working in my sweet spot? Now, if you're the e-commerce optimization guy, it's not going to be someone who wants to start an e-commerce store. It's going to be someone who's already spending 20 or 30 or 40 grand a month on Facebook ads. And if you can give them a bump and improve their conversions by half a percent, you're probably going to add another three or 400 grand to their bottom line at the end of the year. They stand to benefit massively from you working in your sweet spot. Whereas someone who wants to start an e-commerce store, doesn't know which product they want to sell, has no budget for paid traffic. Well, they don't really stand to benefit from you just yet because They've got a little way to go. They've got to get their foundation set up. 
So then I ask myself, okay, who are these people that stand to benefit the most from me working in my sweet spot? Let's bring them to life a little bit and ask, what do they have in common? What are they looking for? What are they searching for? What podcasts do they listen to? How can I become the most helpful person on the planet and help them for free? And then that's all of your content that you give away, all of your checklists that you give away on your website to build your email list. That's the podcast that you start. Your podcast is the you know, WooCommerce Conversion Revolution podcast or whatever you want to call it, right? I'm just making this up off the top of my head. All of the content, your entire story, all of your infographics, your blog posts, your YouTube videos, everything is driven around you telling that story to help that person for free. Yeah. Right? Now, there's the, 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 the trick is there's a percentage of those people, a small percentage of those people that you're helping with free content that will eventually knock on your door and say, hey, Ben, can you please just do this for me? Because you're clearly the expert and I don't have time to learn how to do this myself and I'm happy to pay you a premium just to get it done, right? The problem is most people get bored specializing in a niche and so they end up putting out this content that is designed to appeal to everyone all of the time and it, it ends up, correct, it ends up just being beige and boring and it just ends up being more white noise on the internet and they don't know which conference and they all end up going to WordCamps and WordPress meetups and talking to other WordPress developers who are not going to give them the business that they're looking for. They're not going to e-commerce or, or WooCommerce conferences. They're not going to digital marketing conferences, you know, because they're not specializing. And the reality is that specializing in a niche takes time to establish yourself as an authority. And if I think it's a two year play, if you want to really dominate a niche, you have to be prepared to do nothing else for two years except focus on that niche. And most people don't have the stamina to get through the two years. So let's say I have a passion. I love skiing. Mm -hmm. So most people that don't use any strategies say, okay, I like skiing. Let's put up a ski blog and write my experience. <laughs> that really doesn't, uh, is not the path for success by any chance. So with this example, can you show the, the process that uh, would, I'm sure this is what I love. This is what I want to do. What's mm -hmm. the process like for me? Well, so in this example, are you a web developer who also just happens to love skiing? Yeah, like, like yeah. I'm an affiliate marketer or something like that. I'm... Sure. So then, so the question is, you've got to look at the market that you want to operate in. If you want to spend your life operating in the skiing market, are you talking about snow skiing? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll, well, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll totally go with that. So if you, want to, if you want to spend your life blogging about snow skiing, and you want to make some money out of that passion, then the question you've got to ask is, again, who stands to benefit the most from me doing what I love doing, which is talking about skiing? So I look at the food chain. Every market's got a, a food chain, right? Every market's got the big fish at the top who eat the little fish down, downstream, right? So why go after the little fish? Don't go after the little fish. Go after the big fish. It depends on your business model. Um, if you want to blog about skiing, you know, what I, if it were me, what I would do is I would, I would be contacting ski tour companies. First of all, first thing I would do is I would spend some time building an audience, right? So you've got to build an audience. I would build an audience by blogging about skiing, Instagram, Snapchat would be great avenues because they're very visual. I would be building an audience as much as I could around my passion. And then I would go to the ski travel companies and I'd say, Hey, I've got this audience over here who love what I do. They follow me. They're responsive. They, they kind of look to me for guidance. I'd love to come to Japan and do a powder tour. Can you guys help me out 
uh, sponsor the tour. I'll come over, write up, write up a whole bunch of articles, take a bunch of video. I'll bring a videographer. We'll bring a photographer. We'll make it look really beautiful. I'll publish it and we'll drive, we'll drive all the traffic back to the ski lodge or the tourism company or whoever sponsored it. There's a couple that I was following. I love beaches, right? And I particularly love beaches in Southeast Asia. And I was looking for a beach for our honeymoon when my wife and I got married. And I found this couple who, what they, they basically travel the world and they stay at beaches all over the world. And it's all paid for and funded by travel companies and tourism companies. So the Thailand Tourism Bureau paid them to go to Koh Samui and spend, you know, a three or four days at all of the different beaches in Koh Samui. Then they wrote this epic blog post about all the different beaches in Koh Samui. That's how I found the exact beach that I wanted to stay at for my honeymoon based on the weather that time of year. So I wanted to minimize the chance of, you know, monsoonal rains because Thailand is known for monsoonal rains. So I wanted to minimize the chances of monsoonal rains. I wanted to maximize the chances of spending a lot of time in the ocean and swimming. I wanted to minimize mosquito bites. I wanted the best food. I wanted the best accommodation. I learned all of that from one blog post from a couple who have young kids who travel the world, all paid for by tourism bureaus. That's amazing. And I think what you're, you're saying, if we take this uh, metaphor to site building, I think it, it still takes because most people think like, okay, I can build a website easily with Elementor or, or whatever. Let's think how can I get clients right away and make, start making money. But that's, mm-hmm. that's, that happens in fairy tales. That doesn't happen in... Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's exactly that's right. I think it's for every industry, that's, it, it works the same. If you're in SEO or, or design or PPC, it's, you need first to, to do some work, some pre-work. That's how it, it happens today with, with the online world. Yeah. You, you've, you've got to understand and be able to communicate the value that you offer someone in exchange for them paying you. You know the saying value for money? That's really good value for money, right? Is that, is that a saying? You're familiar with that saying? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, if you go to a restaurant and you have a really beautiful meal with some friends and you get the bill at the end of the night and you go, wow, that was only $100 and there were six of us and we had a bottle of red wine and we had this beautiful food and it was only $100. You go, wow, that's really good value for money, isn't it? That restaurant's really good value for money. It's not cheap. It's just really good value for money. Well, if you think about that phrase, value for money, that's exactly what money is just a voucher for value. So you give me value and in exchange, I'll give you a voucher called money and you can use this piece of paper, this voucher, you can go and give it to someone else in exchange for their value, right? It's just a voucher to exchange value. So people don't give you money for no value. That's the main <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so you have to give value in order to receive money. I think one of the one of the challenges here, if we take website building for example, is a lot of people work locally. A lot of people that are into creating a website get their clients in their neighborhood or in their city. Yeah. But if you're creating content and spread it out, and let's say you're successful, you know, you get hits from from everywhere. So how do you? How do you focus it on, on your local uh, audience? Well, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't focus on local. I would go global, 100%. I mean, two of the best projects I worked on were with a company in California called, Intu- uh, yeah, called Intuit, uh, who own QuickBooks. And we built two blogs on WordPress uh, for their small business content campaign really they had a whole bunch of content that they needed to publish to attract small business owners to come and use quickbooks and we built two blogs for them 
And the first one we built, and I hadn't met them, we just, we just did calls like this over Skype or Zoom. We took a brief, they showed us some wireframes, they showed us some UI stuff. Uh, we asked them some questions, we gave them some pointers, they came back with the final designs, we turned them into WordPress blogs. No brainer. Super profitable, easy project for us. They were a great client, had all their content sorted out. They were really tech savvy. They populated all the content in the back end. Uh, and then they came back a few months later and said, hey, can we do that again for this different product we've got over here? In the meantime, I actually had flown out to California for a mastermind event and I drove down to Santa Monica and I met them. And uh, we, had, we you know, went out for lunch and it was great. So you don't need, I mean, you know, I don't know if you've realized lately, Ben, or the people listening to this have realized, but you're in Israel, right? And I'm in Australia and we're talking over video here and all the computers in the world are connected, right? By this wonderful thing called the interwebs. It's so like the Jetsons, you, you know, that's right. Exactly. That's exactly right. Meet George Jetson. So you don't need to worry about local clients. We get this all the time. People join or they, they're about to join W Elevation and they're like, Oh, I live in this rural town in the middle of England and there are no clients here. I'm like, dude, get on the internet. Like go to Twitter, you know, like we, I picked up a lot of work by just being helpful on Twitter when I first started out. I mean, now if I was starting out now, I would be on Reddit. I'd be on, I'd be all over the red, the different subreddits. I'd may, maybe still be on Twitter. I'd be in every WordPress Facebook group. I'd be in digital marketing Facebook groups. I'd be in small business Facebook groups. I'd be in LinkedIn groups. The possibilities are endless. There is no shortage of clients. Clients are not hiding, you know, every, every, they're asking questions. everyone says, oh, they're asking questions. Exactly. Everyone says, I need to find clients. It's a mindset thing. Clients are not hiding from you waiting to be found. They're waiting to be served. So get out there and serve them better than anyone else. Be super helpful. And they'll come and knock on your door and say, can you just do this for me? Because I haven't got time to figure it out. Let's switch to talking about skills. Sure. In, in our industry, personally in Elementor, it seems like there is a, a division. If you, it's kind of set out for you as an easy path for success if you have mm -hmm. great, amazing design skills. But there are other skills that moderate designer, you're not the, the, the amazing designer that can land those projects. There are other skills, other techniques that you can, other services you can offer. So can you tell a bit about how you can compete with top designers with, by, by offering different values? Sure. Um, so, you know, this might shock some people, but I'm a terrible designer and I'm a very average hack developer. Uh, I can write HTML and CSS and PHP and a little tiny bit of JavaScript, but you do not want me playing around with code on a live production website that is generating any revenue. You do not want me anywhere near that because I'm going to break it. There's no question. And you better have a backup somewhere. So in our company, in fact, I've been locked out of all of our websites. And I only discovered this when I went to install a plugin. I mean, they won't even let me install a plugin. I went to install a plugin about 12 months ago and a little pop-up, no one told me they'd done this. A little pop-up came up and said, can you please enter your FTP credentials to install this plugin? I'm like, what do you mean? I've never seen this before. What is this new feature in WordPress? My own team have locked me out from even installing plugins. So I'm not a good developer and I'm not a good designer. I think some of the other skills that you, and I, in fact, I think really good developers don't necessarily, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you've got a, a great path for a great career. I think there are some, I think there are some skills and I don't want to offend the developers here, but I think there are some other skills that you need that, uh, are complementary and just being great with design or great with code is not going to guarantee that you have a great business. You need to be able to understand what it is your client 
wants, even if you're a developer and your clients are other design agencies, you need to be really good at listening to what your client is asking for and interpreting, kind of reading between the lines. What are they really asking for? What do they really want here? And how can we design the most elegant solution for them that is going to help them achieve what they want to achieve and future-proof it and be really helpful for them moving forward? For example, you don't want to build something that requires them to add a lot of divs or spans into the WordPress Tiny MCE editor for your style sheet to work. You want to use something like ACF in the back end if you need them to just basically do data entry and not touch the design, right? Definitely. So that's one example. Now, a design agency might not know that, and a developer might understand how to use ACF, but they might not understand when the best time is to use it. Same with something like a page builder like Elementor, for example. You don't want to hand over Elementor to a client who has no idea about UI and then just let them loose on their own website because you know, it's going to end up looking like a dog's breakfast. You want to at least make sure they have some kind of understanding of what they're doing before you just let them loose. So I think some of the skills are you need to be able to communicate really well. You need to be able to listen. You need to be able to design solutions. You need to be proactive in your communication with clients. One of the main reasons I see projects sliding out and expectations not being met is due to a lack of communication. The development team go into the bunker and start working on the website and they don't update anyone for two weeks and then the client doesn't know what's happening and all of a sudden the clients change their mind about the project and no one's talking to each other. So when all other forms of communication fail, try actually talking with words <laughs> and see, see uh, if that makes you're, a difference. You're like a shrink for... for uh... You are. Totally, man. You are like a business therapist. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you, are, you need to understand, for me anyway, it was really important for me to understand digital marketing because I could not sleep at night knowing that I'd launched a website for a client if they weren't going to get any traffic to that website and it wasn't actually going to make a difference in their business. So for me, it was really important to understand SEO, to understand digital marketing concepts, to understand email marketing, funnels, nurture campaigns, cart abandoned campaigns. I mean, there are so many rabbit holes you can go down and so many areas and, and, and uh, specialties that you can focus on. And I don't think it's enough to just know how to make the code valid and, uh, and then, you know, send it off to the, to the client and say, well, there we go, we've done our job. So as the teacher, how do you keep updated and like with all the latest trends and how do you keep the knowledge at bay, so to speak? That's a good question. Well, so I use, well, so first of all, you can ignore most of everything, right? Because uh, it's, so, so now I ignore everything to do with Snapchat or Instagram because I don't use those platforms and no one that I work with uses those platforms. So I can just ignore that stuff, right? If I was building websites for a younger clientele who were, you know, using those platforms, I might be across it. I've become, you know, my focus is on optimization. My focus is on business processes My focus is on certain parts of digital marketing. I have my feed set up in Feedly, for example. I check Feedly every day. It's like a beautiful magazine kind of layout of all of my feeds and I just scan headlines and then I just dig in and kind of speed read articles. We also have a team of people who specialize in different things. So 
I don't worry about dev stuff anymore. I don't need to worry about CSS preprocessors because I've got a team who do that. I don't need to worry about version control because I have a team that can answer those questions. So if I if any questions come up in our organization or our community about version control or GitHub, I just flick it over to our dev team and they can answer those questions. If anything comes up about uh, even about marketing, I can flick it to our marketing manager and I can get them to answer questions. So surrounding, like knowing what your sweet spot is and fueling up on your sweet spot and then having good people around you who are in their sweet spot and leaning in on them and getting them to, to help you know enough to be able to start a conversation. But the, the reality is you don't need to know everything about everything. It's, it's just not possible. So again, for me, it comes back to knowing my sweet spot and just focusing on my strengths and, and my passions. Yeah. And results like uh, yeah. doing the monitoring on results and seeing if it worked and reiterating all that. Okay. Well, Troy, it's been amazing to talk to you. I wanted to ask you final question, like uh, what are you working on now so we can do the follow-up next time? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Excellent. I see now I'm nervous, Ben, because whatever I say, you're going to come back and it's in three right. months time and say, well, have you done this? Have you done this? It's good. I like it. Um, so what are we working on right now? So we're working on, we, we ran our first live event for the Mavericks club in San Diego at the end of June. And it was so much fun. It was ridiculous how much fun it was. So we're, we're mastermind. Yeah. So we spend two days, two full days in a room, uh, in a nice room with, you know, high ceilings and natural light, lots of plants, whiteboards, computer screens, lots of pen and paper. And um, our attendees don't have their laptops. I've got my laptop with my slides, which I don't really use very much, but it's just there as a cue. And we talk about, we, we first of all, we work out, we set goals. Uh, we talk about what we don't like in our businesses and we talk about what we do like. We redefine our sweet spots individually and also for the company. Uh, so we have, you know, we had 10 businesses sitting around in San Diego and we all go through this exercise together. We do some work on our client avatars. We also do some work on a thing we call our flight path, which is, which is, what, which is one of the things that we teach about how to productize your service into, into a product that people can kind of look at and understand what's included and what's not and people can make an easy purchasing decision. So we kind of do some work on designing our flight paths and our products. And we, so we do this kind of foundational work for the first half of the first day. And then really the, the, the rest of the next day and a half is masterminding where we work in groups. And for example, you will help me in my business and I will help you in your business. And I tell you one of the most powerful things you can do is, is help someone else in their business because you, you are objective, right? You're not clouded by the emotional baggage and the emotional stuff going in in the business and you can, and you can keep them accountable. You can very simply say, well, Troy, you said you were going to do this and you haven't, what's going on? Uh, so we spend a day and a half masterminding. We do a couple of, I do a couple of presentations and teach some stuff. Uh, sometimes we bring in a guest speaker on uh, day two uh, to, to do a presentation. Um, and then we, you know, we have lunch together. We go out for drinks together. We, we went on a boat around Mission Bay together and had some drinks uh, one night. And then day three is implementation day. So by the end of day two, you end up with this new to-do list of the big ticket items that are going to, like the big dominoes that you can get done that push over most of the other stuff in the business. Like there's always a hundred things that we want to do in the business, but there's typically one or two big ticket items that if we get them done, the other things go away, right? So then Wednesday or, or the third day is implementation day. And we basically just hang out with each other and do Pomodoro sprints. So we do 50 minute Pomodoro sprints where we basically do deep work for 50 minutes, 
have a 10 minute break, go chat with each other, help each other, collaborate. And there are amazing connections and amazing relationships and huge breakthroughs that happen in those three days. And then the following two days after that, I actually ran another event for WP Elevation members who are not in Mavericks Club. Um, and that was just a way of basically getting them in the room to kind of show them what we do with these live events. So we're doing it again in Thailand in October. We're doing it again in February in the States. And so one of my plans now is to really grow the Mavericks Club because it's so much fun and it's so impactful and so powerful. That's something that I'm focusing on. And the rest of the team are really focusing on switching our business model to Evergreen and smoothing out that process of getting people to join the program, start their class, you know, roll out our support, our certificates, our accountability partners, our coaching calls, and getting Simon, who's now the main coach at WP Elevation, getting him really well positioned so that I can, you know, take a little bit of a step back and sort of look at the company from a 30,000 sort of foot view. And Simon's actually doing most of the work in the, in the actual uh, members website and the community program with the members. So that's really our focus over the next quarter. In fact, right upstairs now, we're having a quarterly meeting with the leadership team upstairs and we've just mapped out what we're doing over the next 90 days. So it's very timely that you're asking this question. Before WordCamp. Yeah. So when, so when is, when is WordCamp? In December? It was just in uh, Belgrade. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, so it'll be in the middle of the year again. It'll be in June again. Yeah. So, and, and the, and the truth is that we have most of our members are in North America, then Australia. We ha- we do have a contingency in the UK and Europe, but at the moment, we, you know, we're trying to grow our, our UK and, and Europe contingency so that we can, you know, come out there and do live events at the moment. Ec- economically, it just doesn't make sense for us to be running a lot of live events in the UK and Europe because we just don't have the same sort of numbers there as we do in, in the U S and in Australia, but it's definitely something on the, on the horizon. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it's a language barrier. I'm, I'm sure, but I'm sure that you'll grow to, to be global. We've had, we've got a couple of French girls in the program who have completely translated all of our materials and templates and everything into French. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So it is, it is growing and we do have, we have a, quite a lot of UK members, but yeah, it's, it's just, um, you just, you just, like you said before, you just got to, you just got to prioritize on, on, on what is going to move. I mean, I'm really hoping in the next 12 months, we, you know, we hire more stuff. We do, you know, we've got a new designer starting on Monday. I want to hire more staff so that we can scale up and grow this business. And as you know, it just means it's like the chicken and the egg. You need more revenue to hire more staff and then more staff create more revenue so it's it's a a every time i talk to you you grow like a lot more (laughs) so yeah well it's fun it's i mean you know but that's i mean i just said to the guys upstairs i don't know what you're doing for the next 10 years but i know what i'm doing for the next 10 years (laughs) i'm here i haven't got the other plans so i mean i love this i'm having the time of my life yeah me too we're gonna interview when we're geezers when (laughs) absolutely man totally (laughs) in our smoking jackets when our in our slippers Anyway, it was very fun, totally fun talking to you. And yeah, and I wish you luck. And let's talk again soon. So, Troy Dean, WP Elevation, thank you very much for having, uh, doing this interview. Thanks for having me, Ben. You're a good man. And keep up the good work and keep up everything you're doing with Elemental. We're loving it.